one of you is the monster. Monster? They're British, you know. Hello, I'm Chris Denton. And I'm Paul Monk. And we are a very, a very British, British horror. horror. I love it when we do it together. Yeah. So today's film is actually the very first British horror film with sound. It's the 1933 classic, and I'm stretching a point to use the word classic, The Ghoul, starring Boris Karloff. Um, so I think we'll just say a few a few words about what this film's actually about. Um, Paul? Okay, right. Well, essentially it's um, about, I think he's an archaeologist. Yes. And um, he, Karloff is an archaeologist and he's on his deathbed and he has been working, he's very into Egyptology and has discovered um, something called, a jewel called the Eternal Light, which is read up on and found that that can give him... Um, Anubis can grant him eternal life or some such thing if he offers it to him at the point he dies. It's a long shot, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Because <laughs> yeah. this film is set in 1930s England, so it's a bit of a yeah. long shot. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a stretch, really. And, um, um, and, and uh, the film is basically about... Um, well, it's about lots of things, but it essentially revolves revolves around this jewel and it's it, it, in, in, and what happens, and it's it's almost a little bit of a and it's, it's kind of part gothic horror and part strange crime caper. Well, I think I think that I think that's right, and um, I, I think that's because of the uh, production history of the film that it ended up like that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and a, word, a word of warning, although this is the very first British horror film with sound in British horror film history, uh, we are going to have spoilers, so if you're, you are interested <laughs> in, in seeing this film and um, don't want the ending given away, probably turn off now, come back when you've seen it. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who have already seen it, or who really don't care, <laughs> uh, um, i just say that um, Carlos his character dies, and <laughs> oh no, really? <laughs> but but um, the, the the jewel is then stolen, and he comes back looking for, <clears throat> from the dead, looking for revenge. Mm. Or does he? Or does he? We'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's worth just pointing out the um, the history of of, of the, the the film, not not necessarily the film, but the the source material. Yeah. Um, apparently, uh, Gaumont, Brit Britain, British, who are the, the distributors and producers of the film, and I've probably said that completely wrong and mangled that. Um, apparently, it comes from, they used a novel by a man called Frank King, um, again called The Ghoul, and they borrowed the very, very, very bare bones. In fact, probably the title is one of the things they made. Because, because the, the gold is a crime thriller. <coughs> yes. And it was, and so, a, it was, so a, it was a play. It was turned into a play, yeah. And um, essentially there's a... Yes, it's a crime thriller, thriller in it. The ghoul is actually a um, 
he's, he's a master criminal who goes by the name the ghoul and there's some sort of pretend kind of supernatural stuff that goes on later on and then Scooby-Doo style it all turns out that it's, it's, it's not really supernatural and it's uh, it's it's the, this this guy all along um, oh, I love Scooby-Doo so yes <laughs> so yeah so they, they they really did sort of obviously got the rights to to produce a film on that somehow and then just took the Me- meanwhile various bones of it on the other side of the Atlantic um, the universal horror boom had started first with Bela Lugosi's Dracula but then with Frankenstein yeah Lugosi having somewhat unwisely turned down the role of the creature a middle-aged British uh, jobbing character actor called uh, Boris Karloff Gained the, the the role and became yeah. a massive, massive star. Yeah. So I think by the time this film was released, he'd done, he'd definitely done Frankenstein. Had he done Bride of Frankenstein then? I can't no, remember. that's later. The, but he had done the Mummy. That's right, and that's obvious. Which which is a bit of a, a <laughs> an obvious influence on this. Yeah. And he'd also done the Old Dark House. As yes. Well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And um, as I understand it. He he came back to to Britain to to make this film after 24 years in North America, so it was a it was yeah. a, a, a homecoming for for him. And you know what a disappointment for him. <laughs> but we'll get on to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but he he had been um, he'd been loaned by Universal over to uh, uh, British government. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> 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 British British Galman. I mean, no yeah, no one well, alive Galman, knows. British Galman British it's GB. Ah, clever! Like the like Great Britain. That's their logo. It's the GB <laughs> Galman British. Yeah. Um, Despite them being um, they're they're basically a a spin off from their parent company, which was a French company. Mm-hmm. Um, but Galman. then but then went <laughs> then went on to become a, a a separate entity in their own right, and they were a separate entity by the time they they did this. Mainly known for distributing and creating, f- they 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 created and filmed. I think Hitchcock's one of Hitchcock's films. They did Thirty Nine Steps, and that's one of his one of his films. Hitchcock's films. Yes, <laughs> and um, he says, looking at his notes, um, and and the lady vanishes. That's two Hitchcock films. Yes, <laughs> two fine Hitchcock so films. They, I have they, to they, say that that was some of the uh, things they did, but they also. They also um, built super cinemas as well, which Ooh. were around the time, which had sort of posh organs and things like that in them. And, were uh, and now almost all bingo halls. Yes. And um, in fact, one of them, one of them, which is one of them, which is the um, the state cin- cinema in Kilburn, was where I, where I used to live for a short time, and that is now a bingo hall. Yeah, actually. But it's quite an impressive sort of art deco building. So you you used to live in a place which very probably showed this yep. this this film if it was built before 1933. Uh, <laughs> n- hang on, no, it was built in 1937, so <laughs> they wouldn't have shown this. Excellent, so moving swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I think I just, we've done the plot. Oh, um, I th- a really good piece of trivia before we launch into the cast. Let's let's start with the crew, right? So um, one of the um, 
one, 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 there's like four credited writers as well as the, the original author. But um, one, one of one of the, the screenwriters was none other than Roland Pertwee, and um, there are not too many Pertwees in in the in the world. And Roland yeah. Pertwee was indeed John Pertwee's dad. And there's also there's also a Leonard Hines. Would he be Fraser Hines's dad in the, keeping <laughs> with the Doctor Who theme? Don't know. I I I cannot confirm nor deny that. But but I do I, I do have the, the other interesting um, little snippet of information that with Roland Pertwee is the the writer on on this film. John Pertwee in um, the House That Dripped Blood, of course, a amicus uh, horror film, and then Sean Pertwee in Dog Soldiers. You've got three generations of the same family all in major British horror films. Yeah. Or relate or obviously Roland Pertwee wasn't in it, but taking a, a, a key role in, in major British horror films. I think that might be unique. I don't know yeah. if three generations doing it. No, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you on that, but I, I, I think that probably is the, the only occasion we will we'll, we'll see three generations. Anyway, I've looked up Leonard Hines. He's not related to Fraser Hines. Fra- Fraser Hines, who's not particularly <laughs> associated with horror. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> although although um, very good in Emmerdale. Yes. But um, apparently, but he he was a, he was a reverend apparently when he wrote this. Ah, well, but only until 1937. Well, I don't that, know if that's when he died or that he, that is interesting actually because the because yes, well, the the villain and this is another spoiler. <laughs> the, the, the the villain isn't really Karloff. He's just an idiot in this. So yeah. We'll get on to that. <laughs> the, the, the villain is Ralph Richardson. In his screen debut, Sir Ralph Richardson, you know, God in Time Bandits. This is his first film. Is it? I didn't realise it was his first film. It's his first film. And um, he plays a lovely, Mm. kindly vicar who actually is not a vicar. He's a criminal. He's a criminal out to steal the jewel. But it's a good... They refer to him as as a parson. I've never quite really understood the distinction between vicars... Parsons, but Leonard Hines would have done so. We can yeah. we can presume so, it was so. Maybe the vicar stuff authentic. is is actually authentic, or, 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 may, or maybe he as a as a as a vicar hated Parsons and thought they were all criminals, <laughs> and that's why. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, sadly, that's lost to history now. But uh, <laughs> so so I think we can call it fact. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Karloff now. Okay. Um. You would think this film would be full of Karloff. You would, wouldn't you? It's not. No. He dies. Okay. He, his his one scene. Where he's he... very 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 good at the, right at the beginning when he's on his deathbed. I mean, he he does give it his all. His curious monobrow makeup. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, he, he he does a deathbed. Well, there, there's 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 obviously a reason for that, which we'll come on to a bit later with when we when we mention other things to do with his uh, resurrection mm. he says doing air quotes but but, but the, the, yeah well at this point he's just very ill with <coughs> a with a heart condition so naturally his eyebrows are out of control <laughs> <laughs> well no it, it's very difficult because he's obviously he was obviously bedridden yeah he 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 just didn't have he just didn't have the energy to pluck the eyebrows. And, oh, I guess that's... You know, or get them waxed or anything <laughs> like that. So. Yeah, that's a plausible explanation, actually. I withdraw my objection to the eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you're dying. You, you don't have time time mm. to 
to, to beautify yourself, do you? <laughs> and um, the 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 stark reality of, of of that in your final moments makes it a, a really good um, a, a good scene. And Carlos uh, uh, reveals that he, something we've already discovered in the opening scene between two minor characters that um, he spent most of his family fortune on this jewel which he yeah. bandaged to his hand when he's buried and he, and Carlos also tells us about the crazy theory he's got about um, coming back to life and putting the jewel in and the statue of Anubis's yeah. hand yeah. and if the hand closes it means that he's going to get eternal life yeah yeah um, and he says all this stuff to his um, <coughs> Scottish um uh, manservant. Yeah. Um, I'm going to shock you now. Go on in. In reality, the actor playing the manservant Lang was not Scottish. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's just a master of his art. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, oh, I don't know how you say it. Uh, Ernest Thesiger? Yeah. Um, who, uh, so it's a very Scottish name. <laughs> born, in, <laughs> bo- bo- born and died in London. But um, whom had an association with James Whale and is also in the old Dark House and in Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, is he Bride of Frankenstein? Frankenstein is he? Um, what's his name? The the other Doctor. That's doctor, it. Is it Doctor Pretorius or yeah, something? Yeah, or something. Yes, that's something him. like that. That's yeah. him. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was familiar actually. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. he was, it was bugging me where I'd seen him before. Well, he's this this cast. At the first glance, it's lots of people whom you don't know and Boris Karloff, mm. but it, it's oh, I'm Ravageson, obviously. But um, <laughs> the, this this cast is, is is full of surprising people. But then, um, e- even though we're we're much earlier than the the great period of British horror mm. and the British science fiction and all the other stuff we like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, a lot of these people were still around then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 definitely had links. Even if they're only familial links with, with with people whom we are very familiar with. Um, anyway, back to Karloff. Yeah. Um, ah, now here's something. I, I I bet this this struck you as well. When he comes back, yeah, uh, as the ghoul, which which he which he does do. Um, after, oh, does he? After about twenty minutes of other people being on the screen, um, he doesn't say a word. Does he? He 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 lurches about the house. Yeah, he strangles he does, a few yeah. people. Usually doesn't kill them. Um, no. But but you know he's he's lumbering, sort of like um, maybe the mummy or Frankenstein. Yeah. I mean, this is the the Egyptian stuff shoehorned into this crime thriller is obviously because of the mummy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then he's he's in a kind of very light makeup. I mean, he's, he, he looks a bit. Um, not, it's not like he even looks. He looks unwell. He doesn't even look like he's a decomposed corpse or anything. But no, he's wandering he's got around. A few, few more wrinkles, I think. Look, look, looking at, yeah. looking annoyed. But, but obviously he, but he doesn't. Throughout the whole period, which is, he has a few scenes, strangles mm. a few people. Um, he doesn't say a word. And I thought immediately of Dracula, Christopher Lee. Yeah. Because, yeah. I think, um, you know. You, I certainly credited Jimmy Sangster for being pretty clever in, in in having the introduction with Dracula and then Dracula not saying anything, um, mm. um once he's revealed to be the, the monster. But um, 
here it, here it is in the goal, the very first British horror film. So, yeah. Uh, so an interesting uh, parallel. I can't say that I think Sangster was influenced by it. This film was lost. He yeah. probably hadn't seen it. But, no. um, it was. It was. It's the same device. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I have to say this: this whole opening scene is is was a, a little weird in in trying to get my my head round who everybody was, because you've got Karloff and you've got his manservant, and they were fairly obvious to try and work out. And then there was some sort of doctor character, who again, not necessarily particularly obvious. And then this this other old guy who just appears to be rummaging through his stuff. Who's not introduced, but, no. but who is actually uh, Broughton, the family solicitor, yeah. played, played by Cedric Hardwick. Who, uh, who is the uh, father of Edward Hardwick, who played Dr. Watson in the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. And who, whom, whom was around, I think, a lot in this period. In the, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he plays a, this sister in a kind of delightfully shifty way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a very um, he's a very kind of Scrooge-like character. Mm, yeah. Very, very. Um, yes, a bit not nasty, but very. Yeah, no, he is quite nasty and quite quite mean. Well, at, at first you think he might be just gruff with a soft centre, yeah. but. But no. he's not. He's not. He is, in fact, after the jewel as yes, well. Yes. Yep. So, so. Um, and, and that then explains why he's rummaging through all of the. Yeah. Um, n- notebooks and. Yeah. Everything. I have to agree. I. I. I but it. But it was the very lack odd. of the lack of an like, introduction. Yeah. Who, who is this guy? And 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 then you've got the bizarre first appearance of Ralph Richardson knocking on the door. So, yeah. Uh, How's the master of the house? Yeah. Oh, he's gonna die. Oh, yeah. okay. Bye oh. then. <laughs> yeah, it was very kind of. What's that for? <laughs> um, yeah, just extra screen screen time for for, for the vicar character. Right? But it it was yeah, it was bizarre. And 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 but but who we don't introduce uh, during the deathbed scene and then the death and then the burial mm. is the main characters. Yeah. Because because um, our hero and heroine <laughs> are um. The um, heirs yeah. of, of Boris Karloff's character, Professor Morland. Um, the, um, the, the I guess, a nephew and niece, or a yeah, they 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 were cousins, I think. Yeah. Again, another problem with the film, I think, it does try to, it doesn't easily explain a lot of the the characters and who they all are and what what they. What their relationship to anyone is? No, no, no. That, 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 that's that's right. It doesn't explain. But then, no. Um, so what's happened to, to 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 the jewel is that it's actually been stolen uh, by Lang, the, um, the, the 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 convincingly Scottish family retainer, but not for himself. No. He 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 said something about. Um, it's something like it's a mortal sin to rob your heirs or something like that. And he's actually, mm. he's actually, he actually steals the. And we see him praying. Yeah. He's, he's a Christian. We can see that. Um, yeah. um, um, he steals the jewel um, just before Broughton yeah. gets to it. Yeah. But he steals the jewel to pass on to um, the heirs. 
and yeah. he doesn't actually try to and, do that. And he clearly believes all Karloff's reincarnation stuff is is clearly just nuts. He does, he does, but um, unfortunately, before he can execute his plan to uh, to yeah. reunite the heirs with their inheritance, um, Karloff comes back. Yeah. Um, and Karloff comes back to life, looks at his hand, there's no jewel, and no. he's upset. Did we mention that he'd bandaged his, the jewel in his hand? Which so is where, where he was expecting, yeah, was it, to expecting it to be, and it yeah. obviously wasn't there. And that's the, the precursor to all the, all, all the action. I'm going to call it action. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, now, I was looking at this. Um, I had in my notes that it, it's... Yeah, where is it? It's 50 minutes before Karloff actually returns into this film. It's an 80-minute film, so... It's quite disappointing, So so there's quite a lot of fairly dull stuff that leads up to that. Um, Okay, let's get on to the Karloff's resurrection. Now... I, I, it's, again, it's again the film doesn't really explain this very often. I didn't realise till I read a synopsis of the film afterwards, because uh, I was quite confused about this. That it, that apparently he's had uh, a sort of weird catatonic. Oh no, this is explained. Thing is it? Uh, did I just miss that? Yeah, that he, um, he wasn't actually there's dead a, at all. No, there's a doctor that comes with the police at the end, and the doctor says something like, "The first doctor." Was incompetent. He wasn't actually dead. So, so yeah. Karloff Car- oh, okay. hasn't come back from the dead. It's revealed. It's just uh, it, 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 <laughs> a doctor who's incapable of he knowing was, when someone's dead. He was just pronounced dead. And because Karloff's character then wakes up in the tomb, he thinks he's dead and comes yes. back. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, quite funny, but also slightly disappointing. And that and it lurches it back to us yeah. being a crime. Yeah. With with horror overtones. And, and yeah. Um, from that point on, it, it it's a kind of caper where the jewel is goes from one person to another person, and this person and that person. Yeah, there's there's a dodgy. Oh, I don't really want to talk about this character, but there's a, there's a, a dodgy Arab sheik who's a, uh, a yes. guy blacked up. Um, yeah, um, who's also after the jewel, and um, yeah, the, the, then there's these two uh, the, 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 these two relatives um, played. The the guy I I forget his name. Hang on. Oh yes, um, Ralph Rafe Rafe is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Rafe Morland is is played by Anthony Bushel, um, whom you were before we turned on the microphones slightly disparaging of. Uh, yes, uh, his acting is. Um, I, I referred to him as going to the Prentice Hancock School of Acting, which if you're a TV nerd, you'll know who Prentice Hancock is. But essentially, he's 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 he he acts as if he's sort of shouting everything, um, and it's all on one level. Um, I th- which Prentice Hancock does as well in every single thing he's been in, ever. Um, so and it's a bit distracting. And I do wonder if, actually if a lot of the because again the two women in it, uh, the 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 comic relief female character kind of gets better but the two women in it are quite bad as well um, and I wonder if it's just that they're, they're, they're used to a more theatrical style of performing or perhaps whether they, they're intentionally projecting their voices when they wouldn't actually need to 
and that that's affecting their performance. Well, it's, it's quite interesting. It's quite fascinating. Oh, can't think of a can't think of an adjective I haven't yeah, already overused. But um, <laughs> Ralph Richardson doesn't do that. No, he seems to sort of immediately take the screen acting. He gives he quite does. an understated performance. Whereas there is a very theatrical yeah. um, style to some of the others. Who uh, you would expect that. Um, yeah, talkies at this point are four years old. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, true. So, yeah, so so, so uh, yeah, you wouldn't expect people to quite know what they were doing, especially the, this film being made in um, Britain and not in Hollywood, where they were advancing very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and probably pro- 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 the fact that this is a British film does kind of explain why it's got some technical deficiencies that that perhaps you don't see in the great Universal films. Yeah. But um, I don't want to completely. I mean, th- this film's okay. It's quite enjoyable. Yeah. Um, um, and these two characters, um, Rafe and um, she's called Betty. Yeah. Um, they're, they're like uh, the classic juvenile leads that you they, get in they Hammer are. films, yes. aren't, aren't they? they? So you know, this film. I I I think there's I think. With with it, they this they want later on because they don't like each other very much at the beginning. Mm. Um, but I, I I think towards the end they want to have a kind of a romantic undertone with them, and then they go. Then it's almost like they remember they're related, so they they, they kind of <laughs> reel that in. It would have worked better if they weren't related to to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, they I think they had I think the the, the writers obviously thought oh they should be yeah. related because then they're both theirs, but then it's like. Yeah, but then, then yeah. Yeah, they, they can't yeah. get together. Because there's and almost elements of screwball comedy in the kind of snappy dialogue, yeah, you know? Yeah, Because um, there, there are some quite funny lines. I, the, 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 I do have to say that, that something that, that uh, Rafe or Ralph, or whatever his name is, um, says, which is a nice greeting, which I think we want, need to reintroduce into everyday life, which which he says when, when they're going back to the, I think it's the, the house, and he wants to get the attraction of um, the Ralph Richardson's vicar. <laughs> he shouts out, um, "Hi there, cocky!" <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> and then he really realizes the vicar. He goes, "Oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize you were passing." <laughs> but I think we need to get um, "Hi there, cocky" as as a as a new way of um, a greeting. Well, every day uh, life. I'm certainly going to start using it from now on. This is the way we should open every so show. So I think we're going to open yeah. every future episode with "Hi there, cocky." No, you've explained it. It'll, it won't. It won't be weird in future future episodes. I, no, I like. So, I like. So yeah. So you know, tomorrow, when 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 you uh, wake up in the morning and yeah. you see your wife, just get up and go, "Hi, hi there, cocky." See what she says. <laughs> It'll catch on, I'm sure. It will. I'm not sure if you can actually address a woman in that way, but you know, I'll give it a go. I'm sure. I'm sure it will catch on. I'm going to try it at work tomorrow. Interesting fact about Anthony Bushel. Okay. Colonel Breen in the TV Quatermass in the Pit. Oh, is that him? Mm. Oh, he was a lot better in that. <laughs> Done a lot more acting. That's right true. <laughs> Plus, I guess he's he's playing quite a shouty part. So. Well, apparently he um he did serve in the army. And uh-huh. uh, was a major, so it wasn't a stretch for him to no. play colonel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, the actress Dorothy Hyson, who played Betty, yeah, um, didn't have a very long 
career because uh, in in cinema because she married Anthony Quayle and retired to look after the kids. Oh, okay. And uh, they stayed married until uh, Sir Anthony's death. Oh. She, she's American as well. Is she? Yeah. So, so her, her accent's not bad, is it? No. I mean, I did. I didn't. I didn't like her at first because I thought because she's she's the comedy role and she mm-hmm. was quite jarring against everything. I think one of the first things she says when they go to the the house is something like, "Oh, this house hasn't seen a woman for twenty five years," oh. and then then um, blows dust off something and gets it in her face in a kind of comedy. No, no, Aren't no, no, women no, no, also incompetent? Uh, isn't that isn't that Caney, the other uh, Kathleen Harrison's character? Is it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. See, I'm confused. <laughs> Who's yeah. the, the comic relief? That's, that's ah, Caney, yes. So yeah. you're talking about the other one. Yeah, the Dr. One. Betty, the, the, the oh, other yeah, yes, yeah. Okay. yeah. But uh, Caney, who's yeah. Betty's friend, is. Um, uh, yeah, she's pretty. I, I don't think we'd put up with her now. No. Um, although. Um, and the, and she, she actually. She, she was in a lot of. Kathleen Harrison was in a lot of films. Okay. Um, doing this kind of thing. And, and uh, um, she had a really long career as a. Um, as, as a character actress, um, but she never appeared in any other um, horror films. There's that weird no. There's that um, weird scene she has as well with the um, with the Arab Egyptian guy. Yeah. Where he's talking about how they make coffee oh. in the desert, and he's explained something that's fairly horrific, and that they have these. No, um, no, no, that's quite. They have these. They have these. Um, Half-naked women, and if they don't yeah. do it right, they, they, they whip they, them. They whip them, and and and, 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 and Kaney's delighted. And by she this. loves it. She's I, going, oh yeah, that's great. Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I, I think and it's, it's this kind of weird, flirty scene. <laughs> it's a bit like, are you not listening to what he's saying? Well, <laughs> he's well, essentially saying, if you don't get it wrong, he's, he's going to basically and, whip you. And, and and yeah, and then he's sort of all pretend masterful. You yeah, know, you know, if his character had been um like been played by a, like, like a real um, Arabic actor mm. and to whom had been written in a not quite so cliched way could have been really good because that yeah. that that kind of thing could have been developed it would have been yeah. quite you know you know you, you could see 20 years later Omar Sharif say doing yeah. a really yeah. good job as a strong romantic character and you and, know and he doesn't have to be a yeah. villain he's after the um, no. he's, he's after the jewel but he's after it because it's Sacred in 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 his um in his in his faith or or or, yeah. or, or very important culturally. So 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 that character with a slight tweak yeah. could be perfectly acceptable to modern, by, by modern standards. But uh, no no because he turns out to be Ron in the end. Yeah no I mean but it, this, it could have that, been that scene he, hinted at that. Yeah he could have been a lot more. He wasn't quite charming enough. I don't think and and he no. could have been a lot more. Uh, a lot more charming and, and could have could have it would have made more sense. Yeah. I mean that scene's there basically because they're doing the coffee and that's where I think Lang a, has hidden the jewel. It's so. another example of quite good writing. I so think, it's a nice I idea. I think, it's, yeah. I think this 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 film may have collapsed a bit under the weight of having yeah. the mummy shoehorned into it, but um, there was some basically good stuff in there. Well, it, it, somebody's taken that because it's an essential plot point. That needs that needs to happen because it's the jewel's hidden in the coffee. It's the threat of that being uncovered. Um, and what the writers have done, like you said, they've 
created a nice little character piece around it. Mm. Okay, it doesn't quite work because I'd forgotten the jewels in the coffee, which did. <laughs> but I was enjoying the stuff anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's it's there because that needs to happen. It needs to be discovered. So Lang can dart in and grab grab it and mm. try and, and 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 make off with it. But it, yeah, it's not. Um, it, but it, but it, yeah, and it could have just been that. But they actually make that nice little character bit out of it, which is quite good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think as we come to the end of the film, yeah, when um, Karloff, Professor Morland, has the jewel, um, having I think th- throttled his niece. Or cousin, or he does. Cousin. He doesn't kill anybody. I, th- I think he does might. He? Kill oh, there is one person, one guy in the in the in the. Oh, yeah, no, there is, and, and he's in the woods, and yeah. um, he doesn't kill Lang. He gets Lang. There's but one thing here. I think that the the director probably needs to learn from that. That if if you're going to have characters killed outside, it's best not to film it outside when it's a really cold night. Oh, because of the yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, you can see the, the the breathing, and the guy who's dead is trying really hard. To, to hold his breath, but every so often a little wisp of. Well, also you've got you've got Carlos heavy breathing with the, the, the steaming. Um, yeah, air. I mean that didn't. I didn't the, think that was quite so bad. I I, I really like the look of that. But then then he's supposed to be dead. Is he not going to realise he's not? Yeah, uh, maybe. So it's like, wait a minute. But I it depends <laughs> on how he views eternal life. Whether mm. he views it as a as a living dead. Presumably, mm. he thinks he's going to come back and be. Sort of resurrected. Yeah, it's, it's, it actually, so, so it's probably not. It's, it actually his vis- case, but it was just, it was just a, really well. It was just a person who was dead. It's got the odd wisp of breath. Yeah, that probably wasn't good. Um. So Koloff takes the jewel back to the tomb, puts it in the statue of Anubis's hand, and. The hand. Oh, no, no. Just before that, he, there's that really good scene where he's got the knife, and he he, he rips open his shirt and sort of oh, you think he's going to somehow stab himself or something, but you, and you obviously don't see this, but he obviously carves some hieroglyph on on his chest. I don't know why he did that. No, I don't know why he did that because that wasn't part of the ritual in the beginning. But visually, it, it, it it's quite a, a good scene, I think. Yes, this it is, and and the the director of this film, um, T. Hayes Hunter, um, I think that's who it was. Yeah. Um, American director, but he was a uh, worked on a lot of silent pictures, um, so he was very experienced and very much a visual thinker. So I think you can see yeah. some, some real um, visual flair. Yeah. Um, but po- possibly um, messed up some of the the character stuff and the, the dialogue which was much newer yeah. Than it's yeah. um, I mean a lot of the scenes where, where it's just Karloff and he's he's lurking around and doing mm-hmm. that come across really well yeah, and I do. think I Karloff has it's quite interesting because Karloff wasn't a particularly strong man he was he was quite generally quite meek but he does come across he, he's, he seems to be able to project a, a physicality um, yeah, beyond yeah. his actual stature, part of his and, and part of his appeal. Yeah, he's so, and obviously he's so he lovable, as yeah. we see in the later appearances. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, he 
he, but you know, you you get the feeling he's quite brutish and very sort of quite strong when he's trying to attack people, although not always successfully. <laughs> yes. But he he comes across as having been quite overpowering, and and he's he is only quite a slight man. He's not. It's a shame there isn't more of him because when yeah. when the, the hand closes over the jewel. He dies again, or for yeah. the first time. Yeah, uh, happy. He, he he thinks. I don't know. He must think eternal life, eternal mm. life, eternal life. Irk. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, it's quite. It's another good visual moment when the yeah. hand closes. Yeah, yeah, no, that was actually really, quite. Yeah, it was good. Ooh. Quite effective, yeah. wasn't it? But then. But then the hand goes up the back arm into the, of the statue, statue. And, and naughty Ralph Richardson goes, "Ha ha! I've got the jewel." Yeah. And then now, how did that happen? I mean, again, another little Scooby Doo moment. But how did that happen? You've got because clearly um, Carlos built his tomb up over a certain uh, a longish period of time. He's been planning this a long time. Um, but clearly, then, then we've seen Ralph Richardson at the start, so maybe he, he's also been planning this for a long time. Yeah, but then, then you get the impression that he doesn't ever want to see Ralph Richardson's character. So how would he have got in, got the Anubis statue, okay. cut a hole in it? Again, again. It's, it's had a fake hand, because it must have had a fake hand which he could then remove. We, 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 yes. See, it's not thought through. Well, I think... Like, the original, the goal probably makes again. sense, but the film yeah. obviously doesn't. <laughs> you're, 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 you're right. Um, but but here we go. How about another sta- a great standard of British horror? Because hmm. the tomb catches fire. Yay! <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, then, and then there's some excitement because um, the heroes are stuck in it. Yeah. And um, but it all it all ends it all ends happily. Do you, do you know what? I was a bit disappointed at that end bit. Because they didn't burn to death. Well, no, they, they, there's no, they didn't burn to death. I mean, that's 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 fine. I think Rav Richardson does, though, doesn't he? Oh, he does. Yeah. No, no, he doesn't, does he? Or does he get I think away? He, uh, no, I think that flame mysteriously goes, doesn't it? I, I didn't understand this, but no. th- th- there's a flame that sort of <laughs> goes across the floor and seems to cut him off from the exit. Right. Okay. And then they just go, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> and they they run Cause, out. Because again, the, the the characters don't do anything. They just just. The circumstances just lead to the door blowing up, basically, and them getting out. And I, what I thought would have been really nice is if Karloff had kind of woken up, and I kept thinking, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, Karloff's going to not be quite dead, and he's going to wake up, and he's going to have enough strength to open the door and let them escape, and that that's kind of the redemption bit at the end, but that doesn't happen. There's just not enough of it. Um, no, he he says that's it. That's he's he was gone. I think it's dis- it's dis- it's disappointing because a Karloff performance, maybe not as early as this. Maybe he's still in his just like he's the monster who doesn't speak and who's heavily made up. Um, mm. Maybe he's in that phase of his career, you know. But um, I think I, I think he does have a, quite a lot to say in the old dark house. I'm sure, um, mm. but. Um, well, I see that that could be a complete lie. I know he plays the butler, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably silent now. I come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's not something. But I he's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but <coughs> as he gets on in his career, he 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 has more to say, and you get that wonderful 
rich voice that yeah. he's, he's got and those lovely performances. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and those those are the Definitely. Kind of I mean, uh, one last things I watched that he was in was House of Frankenstein. Yeah. In which he doesn't play the monster. That's uh, so <coughs> a 40s universal. Yeah, it? he yeah. plays um, a, another character who's got a ridiculous name, but he's this kind of mad scientist doctor character, and he's brilliant in it. He's 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 actually really evil, but subtly so. And and in a part that could just descend into pantomime, he he just reels it in and keeps it very contained and and, and very subtle. And although not a young man in 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 the ghoul, he's he's, he's in his forties. Mm. Um, when we had the great British horror film boom, which is twenty mm. twenty five years later, yeah. um, he's still very much active, and he plays quite a full role in I mean people think of Cushing and Chris Christopher Lee and then on America there's Vincent Price. Yeah. Um but Boris Karloff made a lot of films in the later period, the period yeah. that we like well I like certainly like a little bit more. Um mm. and, and, and so he 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 he's a great if you love the Universal horror film uh, that era, he did a lot of great stuff. And then and then the things I like he did a lot as well. I you know, the sorcerers, the raven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the film targets. Yeah. Um, oh, which is practically the first thing I saw him in. Yeah. Uh, he's just amazing as, as this old film film um, star who confronts real life violence. Um, so I I always love Karloff, and I hope I'm sure we'll, we'll come to one of those later films. Almost definitely. Yeah. Um, and here's some interesting, uh, or fascinating, or some other adjective <laughs> um, trivia. Um, there was another film of this, The Ghoul. Yeah. Um, but it's not the Peter Cushing, The Ghoul, which is totally unrelated. Okay. Um, because uh, I, I think in 1974, when they made when um, Tyburn made that film, this film was. L- Lost and unknown, and mm. so so so. Anyway, they they didn't have any copyright problems, and they just called it the Ghoul, and it's totally unrelated. Very good film, totally unrelated to this. But um, this film, or at least the 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 Ghoul, the novel, um, was made into another film in 1961. What a carve up! Yeah, <laughs> which is is an out and out comedy, and um, you know. Um, Best remembered now for two things. Um, it's got Sid James in it. Everyone loves Sid James. <laughs> but also um, the film that the novel was to carve up into weeds. Yeah. And I love that novel. But I have to say, <laughs> I only know that because I looked it up because you wouldn't yes. see no. <laughs> you wouldn't see a direct link between those. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah. I mean, um, I, look, I looked at the cast of... Uh, what a carve up, and most of the characters are called Broughton, which is the name yeah. of the lawyer. So yeah. it's obviously some distant relation, but honestly. Um, so um, just just getting back to something you said a few minutes ago, which was about the, the film being lost. Yeah. Um, like a like like a Doctor Who episode yeah, in the sixties. It, it was just just basically there were no prints of it at all. Um, apparently, uh, a copy was was found in. Czechoslovakia, yeah, yeah, when it was a communist country, yeah, um, which was apparently in such a bad condition that 
it, it, it really couldn't wasn't really fit to be publicly well, shown. I mean, there was a guy, wasn't there a guy who found it who then um, was this later on? No, I think then, there was a, there was a, but then there was another copy. I think when they were closing one of the studios. Oh, this is later. So yeah, in a cupboard in the seventies and eighties, there was only this Czech copy, yeah. which was subtitled in Czech, yeah, and um, which had a very which poor quality picture and the yeah. sound was extremely degraded. Um, it did come out. It was released in um, using yep, that as, a, as, yeah, well, as, as the 1969 print. it was found. Yeah. There um, we go. William K. Everson. Um, so it, it was eventually commercially released in that state um, despite being made in 4-3. Um, um, <coughs> yes. Um, they, 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 they blocked out the subtitles to make it look like yeah. it was a widescreen and, and you know it was in appalling condition but people were yeah. happy to see a Lost Carlo film and then in um, the 1980s they in found the film the, vault at Shepperton they found the original the original apparently monster apparently it's, it's door blocked by a, by a stack of wood and, of all things and, and it was in um, perfect condition yeah and um, yes it's been properly um, restored and um, there's a there's a, um, there's a there's a network DVD edition of it, which is apparently um, very good quality indeed. Yeah. Sadly, I haven't seen that. I saw it on the YouTube version, which unfortunately was um, quite heavily compressed. I don't recommend yeah. that. I think I recommend, if you are interested in this film, get the yeah. network DVD. Yeah. Now it also says here that the the the, the cleaned up later version was um, aired on Channel Four in the UK first. You know, which is probably where I recorded it. Because I, I watched this. I yeah. watched it. I watched it. Um, I didn't realise it was a lost, restored classic, but I watched every. Uh, I went through a long yeah, phase no, of I, watching I, every I, of these. I, I one remember, of these I remember watching this, but the film we watched that I saw a few days ago bears no resemblance to the memory of the film that I watched <laughs> back then. I, I, I have more of a memory of Karloff lurking about. In the mist, and generally it being a lot creepier, and that she was. But but again, that could be because um, there's a book by horror author Ramsey Campbell called Altered Image. Oh, which is a brilliant which is, book. Which is great. Which is about a lost Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi film called The Black Tower, the, or the yeah, Tower or something like that. Yeah. And I, I'm perhaps in my head getting the two mixed up. <laughs> yeah. In some Weird way. Well, that's probably what Ramsey Campbell wants. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because um, sadly, um, this although it has so many trappings of, of a horror film, is also not a horror film. No. It, it's a crime thriller. Yeah. You mentioned Scooby Doo, but it's kind of got that. There's a supernatural explanation, and then no, yeah. not really. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at the end. So, and then it's almost like um, the, the whole Karloff character is quite incidental. He's he's the reason why the jewel's there and why it's it, it, come into existence, it, 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 and, and, and you know, and people are aware of it. Yeah, but but yeah, and then they it's almost like right at the end they compress this this chase for the jewel in about into about ten minutes. Yeah, to to just round it off. But by that point, I've, I'd sort of. Cease caring about it. Well, I think it's um, about eighty minutes long, 
and it's a long it 80 feels minutes. Longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot. A lot there is a lot to enjoy. There's a there's there's also a lot to um, uh, a lot to admire. But it's uh, well, when you get to the Hammer films, they made a real virtue at rattling along at a fantastic yeah, pace. Yeah. And um, so the films that copied them all did that too. Yeah. Whereas where yeah no 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 one thought I mean, to do that it's obviously the... still being influenced by theater again yeah I imagine and and that sort of pacing well uh, of course especially as it's based on the play so which, mostly based on the play which is i i have a theory sorry i have a theory about um about Karloff's bit in this and i i reckon you could edit take out all of Karloff's bits that he's in Edit them down into a, to about half an hour, and I think it would still make sense. It would probably be a lot better. Wouldn't it? <laughs> so anyone out there, it's on YouTube. If anyone out there fancies having a go at that, I would love to see that. Carlos bits taken out, join join together, see if it still makes sense. Well, because you because you, you could you could make it supernatural. You could take out all the yeah. rubbish about it not being supernatural, and 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 it would yeah. And, and all the supporting characters who aren't Karloff largely, and yeah, yeah. it would be quite good. Yeah, because I, th- I it think... It would be a little kind of solo piece with Karloff. And, and that would be... And some random people that he's strangling. <laughs> That'd be much, much better. Really improve it lots. Yeah. <coughs> okay, well, shall we... We've been talking for quite a while now, so shall we... Shall we wrap it up with the... The final three questions? Yes. Okay. Uh, ask away. So, first question... Is did we like it, Chris? Yes. Um, <clears throat> I know. I'm, I did like it because um, it was lovable. Mm-hmm. It was idiosyncratic. Uh, did I think it was good? That's not another question, is it? No, no I didn't think it was good. No, but I did like it. Okay. I, I was kind of quite indifferent to it. There were bits I liked. Bits I thought were were quite good. But largely, I was thinking, uh, come on, get on with it. I mean, 50 minutes till Karloff appears again. I know, but I can see a good film in there somewhere. That's the thing, I can see it. Yeah, and I think think it was just very confused about what it was meant to be. Yeah. And I don't think that helps. Uh, It could have been been a, a good little snappy crime caper, but it could also have been quite a good, creepy, uh, sort of mummy based horror film but, it, but it's neither it should, it should have it should have been one or anyway getting back to just quickly sorry just before we ask the other two questions I did say earlier that the, the thing with Karloff's eyebrows and why they're done like that and and it was just goes back it just goes back to the fact that obviously when he's resurrected as it were turns out he's not actually resurrected so they obviously want to make him look kind of a, slightly horrific but because nothing's actually really happened to him, he can't look. They they can't suddenly change his appearance completely to be a ghoul. Do, do you follow? So they can't suddenly make him like more monster-like mm. because he hasn't really died. So so they've got to make him look a bit and, weird to begin with. And that was how they they thought that yeah. this make people think he looks weird. And and it yeah. Um, it, and incidentally, a, a ghoul. I did look this up um, in sort of Arabic mythology I look, a, a ghoul is apparently I'm reading from, from a, 
academic paper I found that says, in brief, the Arabs understood the ghoul to be an ugly female demon that intends to harm travellers and even to kill them in some cases. It has the ability to change its form and become a beautiful woman to attract men or even to mate with them. The ghoul's description is close to that of a predatory animal that has fangs and cloven feet and combines features of the snake, goat and ass. So, obviously, um, describes Karloff perfectly. That's a much better film. That really is a much <laughs> better is. film. <laughs> so, anyway, right, getting back to the questions after that little diversion. Um, do you think it holds up today? I don't think it held up at the time. <laughs> no, it doesn't, though. No. Uh, and um, American audiences didn't like this film. No, apparently it was reasonably well received in Britain. But, yeah, you didn't really take off in the US at all. And, um, and, and, and lastly, you would need to ask this, was it scary? Um, no. No. No, not at all. No. No. And again, I, I, I mean, don't... You, even, the, even the most sort of effective moments were never creepy. I mean, I quite often watch a lot of these old films knowing that they're, they're not going to terrify me outright, but they, the the best ones always have moments where you just get that little tingle where you think, yeah, that's a little bit creepy. And there was nothing in this, nothing at all. Well, the fact that it, it's not supernatural and there's, it's not even that horrible no it doesn't work as an action film no it doesn't work as an adventure film it only really works if you're kind of very tolerant about this kind of thing yeah luckily i am extremely <laughs> tolerant but i mean you can see why this didn't kickstart uh, a british horror renaissance can't no, you? No. It's, it's this is this was never going to do that and so um the horror films in this period carried on being basically American and yeah. we had to wait a long time for our, our, our own um, little moment in the sun ok right so what other film are we going to do on the next episode then ah yeah well you know we're going to come bang up to date we're going to go bang up to date totally modern by looking at a Victorian set gothic horror. Yes, um, but it stars Harry Potter, so the kids will like it. Excellent. And it is? It's the woman in black. Brilliant. The hammer one. The hammer one. Yes. So, looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to that too, yeah. Um, and until next time, I've been Chris Denton. And I've been Paul Monk. And remember to follow us at all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, and the uh, blog, which um, can be found at verybritishhorror.blogspot.co.uk. Or search for us on Very British Horror on Facebook, and, you know, at, like, like us, ping at, me. At ver yeah. What do you do on Facebook these days? <laughs> ping me? Poke, poke me. No, no, that's old, isn't it? I don't know. Like, <laughs> come and find us. Yeah, like, <laughs> like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter where we're at Very Brit Horror. And also, you can find us now on iTunes. Yes. So you've no excuse for not listening. Apart from a total lack of interest in British horror, that's quite a good excuse, <laughs> isn't it? No. 
no, it's not. You you're right. You should still listen, even if you hate British horror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and on that controversial note, bye bye. Bye bye.